world's on fire, our culture is disintegrating. Hey, pass the salt. It's time. It's time. Hey, you, pass the salt. You know why it's disintegrating? Because we're jellyfish. Hey, pass the salt, will you? Pass the salt. Pass the salt, amigo. It's time. It's time. I think they could give us a new name. I believe we are Evan Jellyfish. Hey, we have passed the salt. Pass the salt. We need salt over here. It's time for Pass the Salt. Pass the salt. But we like to share the gospel without any backbone to it, see? The views, opinions, and seemingly outrageous comments expressed in this program are based on the Holy Spirit leading of a man called Coach. I gotta ask you this out there, Christian America. It's time for Pass the Salt with a coach, Dave Daubenmeyer. Well, you've heard of a rude awakening. I had a rude awakening this morning when Michelle came. I, I get up about an hour, hour and a half sometimes before Michelle. Today was one of them. I was up about five. She came wandering out about six thirty, and she shot. She shook my whole world when I said to her, um, "This is Thursday, isn't it?" And she said, "No, no, this is Friday." I said, "What?" Yeah, she says, honey, do you have dementia? <laughs> I said, I don't have dementia. I just got so many things going on inside my head that uh, the passage of time is just kind of a, I, I sleep so I can get up and I just sleep so I can get up to get, get some stuff done. This is one of those mornings. I need about seven hours of show today. Uh, get some communion. We're going to take communion here. Uh because, I, you know, I, I, I struggle internally a little bit. That's not true. I don't struggle. What's this show about? When, when, when you get up in the morning, some of you have been so faithful getting up six years. Early in the morning, man. Some of you, Jeff, Jeff Nell's out there. It's 4 o'clock out there. <laughs> up live watching this. And I'm thinking, Lord, what makes Jeff Nell, not you, Jeff, what makes somebody get up every morning to this, to do this? Is it the fellowship? Is it the information? Is it the biblical aspect of what is it? Lord? What is it? What is it? Because uh, you don't have to, you're not saying anything. I, I'm, I'm working through this. In my own, I'm working out my own salvation with fear and trembling. And so I get up in the morning when I try, try, try to put together uh, something. Look, it's not. I. I don't feel pressure. I don't feel pressure that I got to do come up with a good show. That's not what I, I want. I don't ever want it to be a waste of time. When that clock, when that show's over, I don't want it to ever have been a waste of sixty minutes, because you guys are getting up to to be part of it. And I continue to ask myself, Lord, do they want more? They want more Bible. What do What do they want? What do they What? Because I'm I, I'm not into entertainment, although we can be entertaining. I was watching my. I was watching one of those little clips. Those guys, Jared, and those guys made for me. Me screaming, my veins popping out. Folks, listen. That is so not me. I'm not that kind. If those those of you who know me know that isn't me. That is. I'm an introvert. If you and I are in a room, I'm I'm. You're going to be talking more than me, probably. By nature, that's not me. But it's not an act. It's an anointing. Okay, it's an anointing. And and some people don't like the anointing because I yell or whatever whatever it might be. And some of you have confessed, you know, you couldn't even hardly take it at first. Steve Deck told me, God, I couldn't even hardly stand you at first yelling. And, and 
And so I, I want you to know, I'm not asking for an answer because the answer, you, you can't give me an answer. There's a variety of things out there that you guys are interested in. That's why you keep coming back here. We bring truth. And I want you to know that I, every day I do the best I can to present to you what I believe a Holy Spirit-directed program. I want you to know it's what I try to do. I want you to know that uh, ultimately whatever happens in your life is going to be between you and the Holy Spirit. But that's the only, that's a, at the end of this whole show, not this show, but this thing we call life, that's really the only thing that's going to matter is what was the relationship you had with the Holy Spirit of God? What, what was that relationship? Not the relationship you had with the Virgin Mary. Not the relationship you had with uh, whatever. Not the relationship you had with Joel Osteen or this preacher or this preacher or that preacher or that preacher. That's not going to, it's going to be the relationship. When you stand before Almighty God, it's going to be, what did you do with, what did you do with my son? What did you do with my son? And for whatever reason... We in America today, American Christianity in particular, we uh, we talk about dying to ourselves and uh, living for Christ. We don't. Will you stop it? Will you stop kidding yourself? You don't live for Christ. I don't live for Christ. I like it. Sounds good. I live for me. Somebody said me too. Go ahead. You, you can confess. Say Amen. yeah, Lord. I, yeah, I'm living for Christ. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're not living for Christ because if you if we were living for Christ, all of us would be far less hesitant to stand up and speak up and do the right thing if we were really living for Christ. Now, maybe we don't believe him. Maybe it's just like Santa Claus. Maybe it is, as the atheist would say, maybe religion is just a crutch. Maybe it is just for the weak-minded. Maybe it is. I don't think it is. Not to me, it isn't. Not to me. You know that there's no that the passage of time is something you can't even you can't even how do you explain the passage of time? How do you explain what you were doing at 30 years old and now you're 70 years old and that 40 years interlude and you went back, you don't even have a scrapbook of what you of what you did. How do you explain that? Life's just a vapor, it's here, it's gone. How do you how do you at the end of the at the end of your life how do you determine whether or not you had a successful life? How, what, what does that look like? Solomon said, "I was great. I built me houses. I had men servants and more." Where is that, Michelle? Because she was talking to me this morning about Solomon. Solomon had it all, lost it all. Solomon said, "I was great." So, is, is it about the accumulation of stuff? Is it about influence? Is it about titles? Is it about self-worth? What, what is it really, when it gets right down to it, what is this life experience really about? How do you know if you've been successful at it? How do we know? And I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I know this. As much as anybody I know, other than those of you here in the, in the queue today, every day, God, I feel like I'm swimming upstream. More and more every day, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm constantly going against the flow. I said, Lord, don't I ever get a chance just to get on a raft and float downstream? Can't, don't I ever get a chance to do that? Well, we're in the middle of a war, man. We're in the middle of them. And, and, and until we realize what the prize is, 
If we could, bear with me a second. Myra, get ready to pray. We'll get ready to do communion. Joe's in here, I assume. I was uh, I was holding up a picture yesterday, admiring proud proudly my my progeny, my great grand my grandchildren, and uh, each one of them being different little individuals. Each of them different. You guys know what I'm talking about with your own children. And to realize that uh, their daily their their future is being created in their daily walk. And their future is being created in their daily walk by whom they are influenced by, influenced with, and what they are taught. But I'm not just grampy, although I am. I'm grampy on a journey to have goodness and mercy follow me for my children and my grandchildren. What an awesome response. See, I'm trying to live my own life and stay alive and love my wife and enjoy my life. At the same time, I got this huge, huge burden and responsibility behind me. These little nippers coming behind me, they're so dependent on me. That's a scary thought, isn't it? That's a scary thought. Hey, friends, it's the reality of it. It is, in fact, the reality of it. And uh, sadly, my children, my grandchildren more so, perhaps, my grandchildren are going to pay the price for my cowardice, my who gives a damn attitude, my I'd rather, rather watch the Browns and the Bengals than get involved with the education of of the community. I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather do these fun things over here. I'd rather go play 18 holes of golf at Eagle sticks than go to this meeting with some political wonk. And as a result, my grandkids are paying for it. Going to pay for it. And you say, well, coach, uh, uh, we're not going to be here much longer. You don't know that. Quit quit saying that. You don't know that. You say, well, I can read the signpost and it says the exit's up ahead here. Yeah, but what if you get a flat tire and you have to sit there and your your car steams over and you sit there and you can't get to the exit? You don't know what. Tomorrow's promise to no man. We have no idea what lies in front of us. So therefore, the only thing we have is what we can do today. And for the most part, can I tell you the truth? We are being very, very negligent with today. Most of us are. Amen. Because you don't get it back. You don't get it back. Yesterday, uh, I don't know about you guys. That we have, Michelle and I have a penny jar. You ever have a penny jar? I had a penny box. <laughs> I have a penny box full of pennies and nickels and dimes and quarters. And so I thought, God, what am I going to do with these things? And so I... Called up the hill. Hey, Davey, want to earn some money? Reese, want to earn some money? And they came down yesterday. Dave and Reese spent about an hour, hour and a half maybe, putting rolling coins. Rolling coins. Nickels, dimes, quarters. They'd never done it. Either one would ever do it. And David, who's six, is he seven? David said, Grampy, I love this. 
I love doing this. Thinking, what, dude? What's wrong? <laughs> what? <laughs> but see, he has that little analytical mind, right? And I wouldn't trade that hour and a half with those kids yesterday for a visit with Donald Trump. It's the truth. Because that was a life-changing experience for both of them yesterday, actually putting those monies into those wrappers and looking at the money pile up. And then it was neat. I said to him, hey, listen, guys, I want to pay you here. Would you like to take it in coins? Or do you want me to pay you in dollar bills? And it was so hard for them to understand that the coins and the dollar bills were the same value, but not really. Man, those opportunities are in front of us all the time. I, I'll get off of this because I got I got some powerful, powerful stuff I want to share with you today. And I just want to thank all of you for, for being there. And, and uh, <clears throat> it humbles me. It humbles me. And it humbles me every day to know what I have, what the Holy Spirit. Lord, why me? Why would you, Lord, why would you give me this gift? Like it or not, like me or not, those of you sitting out there cannot deny the anointing. And I tell you over and over and over, it isn't me. Something happens when these lights go on. Something otherworldly happens inside of me. I can't explain. And it's not me. Because I have a lazy streak in my life. I, 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 I battle the same stuff you guys battle. I ain't, ain't some holy, righteous guy sitting in my prayer closet 24 hours a day praying for good things. It's not me. I'm a man. I'm a guy just like you with a gift. And the gift's for you. It's not, not about me. It's a gift for you. And as soon as I try to make the gift about me, what a waste, huh? What a waste. So I, I appreciate y'all being out there. Pastor Bill Dunphy lost his mom yesterday. He's been through it. It's been uh, <clears throat> a year ago he lost his grandson. Uh, yesterday he lost his mom. She was, of course, moms are older. I don't know how old she was, but you only get one mom. And, you know, they have the event going on this weekend with uh, Flip and Rusty and, and me. And uh, so it's the timing of it. That sounds good crass, doesn't it? The timing of it. But uh, just keep Pastor, just keep Pastor. So I don't even know Pastor, but I, I know. Just just pray for grace and mercy to be, be upon him. Joe, are you there to do some communion? Hey, let's do this. Myra, pray us in, then Joe, let's do our communion. Golly, it's 15. Hey, don't leave. I got some unbelievable stuff. We get, look, we got to talk about, I got a thousand things I got to talk about, and I got 40 minutes. I'll shut up. Go ahead, Myra. Yes, Coach, I will be delighted to do so. It is written, Acts 14, 12 to 15. That is Acts. Put it up there, Jonathan. Put that up there. Because Myra speaks with a funny language, and we don't even understand her sometimes. What was that again? Yes, Coach. Acts 14, 12 to 15. Okay, now go, Myra. Will do, Coach. And they call Barnabas 
Jupiter and Paul Mercurius because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands onto the gates and will have done sacrifice with the people, which when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of they rent their clothes and ran in among the people crying out. So they're having a big party, a big ceremony, a big hoop-de-doo, whatever's going on, and Paul sees what's going on. Paul and Barnabas, they show up at this parade, and they say, what the heck are you doing? Go ahead. Yes, coach. And saying, sirs, why do ye these things? We also are men of like passions with you and preach unto you that ye should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all the things that are therein. Mm, what preach? Hey, Coach. Yeah. Could I interrupt you for one second? Sure. You just you heard Jupiter in that that Myra did, right? Yeah. Earth will sweep between the Sun and Jupiter on September 26, 2022, placing the giant planet opposite the Sun and in our sky and closer than in 70 years. Jupiter in 2022. So... That day will be the closest that we've been to Jupiter in 70 years. In 70 years. And what day is that? Uh, September 26th. <laughs> yeah. I'll be gone. Huh? We're going to be at Gettysburg when? Uh, well, that's the day that we'll be at 1 o'clock at the Peace Monument. Wow. Reading the uh, proclamation. Right, stop it, Craig. Stop it, Craig. Go ahead, Myra. Yes, Coach. I will be delighted. Holy Spirit, you are welcome to Coach Dave Haddle, and we open our hearts to you. I unleash resurrection power, love, and joy to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Joe Carrico, are you there, Joe? Joe not with yes. us today? Yes, sir. I'm here. Okay, Joe, let's go, brother. Okay. Um I'd like to remind us a little bit of the the foundations of communion as uh, and the history of it, um, and go back to Genesis fourteen eighteen and nineteen. Go ahead, we'll get it up there. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. 
And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. Now, when we think about communion, we, we know it's the, the testament of the new covenant. And we don't think that maybe the same, the same tradition was done with the old covenant. But actually it was. And I think that just underscores our God and how everything is planned and and how we're, it's not an accident. And, uh, and that a covenant is a contract. Yeah, a covenant is a contract, Coach. And being a lawyer, I'm, I'm quite aware of how sometimes things almost read like contractual elements, you know, mm, in the Bible. Yeah. And um, so for when we take our community today, I just thought I'd put the, plant the seed of the history behind it. And this is when Abram was not yet Abraham. And Melchizedek was king and most high priest. Now, who does that sound like? Think about that. Mm-hmm. You know, we, it make, Melchizedek is a mystery. We all can agree to that. Was was that our Lord had something to do with him? Was he Jesus in disguise? I don't know. Uh, or was he just told by Jesus, you're the king and the high priest. But now the king and the high priest is Jesus. Amen. And so the a king and high priest serves bread and wine for the first covenant. The second covenant, the king and high priest so gives us bread and wine. We take it with him. Now, uh, for taking our communion, I'd like to go to uh, Corinthians eleven twenty-three. For, uh, yeah, first first Corinthians eleven twenty-three. That's the twenty-five, I think. For well, I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. We had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Then after the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. Contract. This do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So, Let's bow our heads for a second and pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you humbly, doing our best to understand what this means and how everything was planned and it's not an accident. And that we are so blessed to be here under the New Testament, the New Covenant, and this new foundation of communion that you give us. And we ask you to forgive our sins and our transgressions and bring us cleanse into your sight so we are worthy to take this meal that heals with you this morning. Amen. Amen. So. Hey, Joe, Joe hang yeah. on. The Holy Spirit. 
just prompted me. Everybody out there, ask yourself right now, who do you need to forgive? Ask yourself that right now. Who are you holding resentment towards? Go ahead, Joe. So, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after the same manner, also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament of my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you for this new day. And let us seize it and represent you and be your ambassadors here. Amen. 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 <clears throat> Amen. Amen. Uh, I want to show you real quickly. I, I got something I just, I just got to get to today. Can I show you a picture of the heart of men unrestrained by Christ? This is an, out, this is an outward expression of what we're seeing all across America. We're going to see more of it. Uh, the first one, number one there, bar fight. I just saw, just, I, I, I watched in amazement this morning. The animalistic nature of man unrestrained by God. Just watch this. Bar fight. No sound. By the way, I'm going to say what nobody else will say. Black on black crime. Boom. Hey, Coach, if someone passed the great coupon. Folks, we live in a, we live in a, I'm telling you, we live in a crazy world. Um, I, I got something I think is going to bless you. Spencer, uh, no, it's Jonathan. Jonathan, it says feminization email. Bring that up if you would, bud. Um, it's a standalone email that I sent you. Good. John, maybe you can make the, folks, I, just bear with me as I read this. There's nothing worse than boring radio that's read, read to you, but I think this is really, it's pretty amazing. It's called The Feminization of the Church, and it's an extract by Leon J. Podes. I don't know who, I don't know who he is. Came across my, just sit back here a minute. Listen to this. 
You may have noticed that in general, men are not as interested in religion as women are. In fact, if men speak honestly, they will tell you that men have a general feeling that church is for women. They may add that women are more emotional than men are, or that religion is a crutch that a man doesn't need. In my book, The Church Impotent, The Feminization of Christianity, I examine the lack of men in Western churches. In what follows, I will first summarize my thesis that men stay away from the church because they regard it as a threat to their hard-won masculinity. Anybody ever heard me say that? Anybody ever heard me say that? I haven't read this book, but I need to. Men don't want to go to church because it's full of sissies. Second, I will explore how the church has become identified with femininity. And third, I will consider how this feminization has undermined fatherhood, how the church can reach men and help them to be Christians and Christian fathers. Sociologists have gathered statistics both about practice and opinion, and the studies confirm the popular impression. Religion, especially of the Christian variety, is largely a womanly affair in Western society. James H. Fisher asks, are males really less religious than females? Most of the studies made on the question seem to indicate that they are. And this appears to be true of all the Christian churches, denominations, and sects in Western civilizations. Pick up your toes, pastors. We're coming at you. Of America in the mid-1990s, George Barner writes that women are twice as likely to attend a church service during any given week. Twice as likely your church will have women in it. Women are also 50% more likely than men to say they are religious and to state that they are absolutely committed to the Christian faith. Women twice as committed to their Christian faith than men. The difference seems to be increasingly increasing rapidly. In 1992, 43% of men attended church. In 1996, only 28%. Do you get that, folks? Huh? 43% to 28% in four years. Church attendance in the United States is about 60% female and 40% male. The more liberal the denomination, the higher percentage of females. Oh, yeah. The Episcopals. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fundamentalists are almost evenly divided, but the only religion that sometimes shows a majority of men is Eastern Orthodoxy, Orthodox Judaism, Islam, and Eastern religions. Men say they believe in God as much as women do, but the more Christian a practice or belief becomes, the fewer the men will own up to it. The more Christian, that's why we're conservatives. Man doesn't have trouble identifying himself as a conservative, but he won't identify himself as a Christian. Whenever Western civilization is spread, the church has become feminized. Rosemary Ruther observes in Germany, France, Norway, and Ireland, women are 60 to 65% of active churchgoers. In Korea, India, and the Philippines, women are 65 to 70% of active churchgoers. Anecdotal evidence indicates that this pattern of greater female piety goes back far before the Reformation. Even medieval preachers made references to women as being more active in the church. A closer analysis of the sociological data says shows that it is not exactly being male or female that makes a difference. 
for being masculine or feminine. That is, men who have feminine personality characteristics tend to go to church far more than other men who have some balls. Somebody say amen. I added that. That was an editorial comment. Amen. Amen. Women who have masculine personalities. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Transgenderism in the church. Women who have masculine personalities tend to go to church less than other women do. So we come down to masculinity in the church. Boy, it's hitting home, isn't it? A man has responsibilities in his life. He takes up the dangerous work of a society. He may work himself to death as a lawyer, Joe, or get shot in a war, or anything in between. Even in the United States, men hold almost all the dangerous positions in our society as measured by the chance of death or serious injury. Only after he earns his spurs as a man can the male reconnect to the world of women by marrying and become the father of a family. Wow. As a boy, the male is protected and provided for. As a man, he must protect and provide for others, even at the cost of his own life. Boys must learn to endure pain and suffer deprivation so that they will undertake the dangerous and destructive work that all societies have where men have to defend women and children. The Western civilization has become part of the feminine world from which men feel they must distance themselves if they want to remain a man. If you want to remain a man, stay the hell away from the sissified church. I'm not saying it. He is. That is why men stay away from church, especially when they see that the men involved in the church tend to be sissies themselves. Somebody say amen. 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 They don't want a guy like me around. <laughs> Hell no. Run him out of here. He, hey, that masculinity, I might spread. Why? We might get some men in here on fire. Hell, hell, get them out of here, please. The most religious denominations, those that have the most external display, have the worst repu- reputation. Anglo-Catholics were lambasted in the Victorian press as unmanly because they devoted themselves to lace and plaster statues. By the way, I'm I'm, going to throw this in there. Can somebody tell me why Lutheran pastors, uh, Catholic priests, they wear robes? I see a man stand with a robe on. I think, what, the, what is wrong with that guy? Got a robe on? It's a uniform, Coach. Yeah, it's a uniform. Coach the most religious denominations, those that have the most external display, have the worst reputation. I'm sorry, I said that. Psychological studies have detected a connection between femininity in men and interest in religion. Boys, pick up your toes. This is kicking us right where it hurts, dudes. 
There may be, there may even be a physical difference. Among men, football players and movie actors have the highest testosterone level. Listen, I'm going to read this again, okay? They've done tests on testosterone. And what did they find out? That among men, men, football players and movie actors have the highest testosterone. By the way, that's why we love to watch football. We wish we were out there knocking guys on their arse. We wish we could do that. We wish we were man enough to stand up and do that. We wish we were man enough to stand up and keep that other guy from getting to our quarterback. And men sit around and they thrive watching it. They love to watch some guy drive the lane and dunk it over the top of another man. And they're all on steroids, coach. Oh, boy. Among men, football players and movie actors have the highest testosterone level. Ministers, the lowest. Going to read that again. Don't call me Pastor Dave. They won't let me in a pulpit. (laughs) Why? We got sissy men. We got sissy men. True. But we better believe this, folks. God became incarnate as a man. And Jesus' life follows the classic masculine pattern of development. If you think Jesus Christ was a sissy, you guys won't even stand up in your church and say anything. And he walked into the freaking temple and flipped over tables, and there was something about his authority that scared them so much, nobody tried to stop him. As Christianity spread... It has provoked opposition. I'm going to read this again. As Christianity spread, it has provoked opposition, violence, persecution, and murder. From the crucifixion to the contemporary Christians who are being crucified in the Sudan. This new people is called to be holy and separate from the world. The age of the martyrs and the fathers, the first millennium, evinced no great signs that Christianity was especially for women or that Christianity should be a threat to masculinity. Making men into Christian fathers. Men can be taught to be men only by other men. And all too many pastors are not real men. Somebody say amen. I'm going to pause right there a second. I'm going to pause right there. Amen, Amen, coach. Amen. Sorry. Amen. I've been singing this song quite a while. Stay with me, Jeremy. A pastor called me about my book. He'd been ordained in mainline Presbyterian church. Probably wore robes. When he entered the seminary, he had to take a battery of psychological tests and talk to psychiatrists. The psychiatrist looked over the tests, and the first question that he asked that candidate was, are you a homosexual? The candidate responded, no, I'm not. Why do you ask me that? Because the psychiatrist replied, because you have the psychological profile of a homosexual. Feminine, passive, 
roll over. But don't worry, he goes on to say, all the successful ministers in your denomination have that same profile. The problem, as the minister realized after reading my book, is that pastors too often become pastors because they enjoy working in a feminine environment. And they adopt the mental attitudes of a woman who are their principal audience. In men, such a psychological profile is womanly. Although obviously fatherhood is a fulfillment of manhood, it involves a reconnection with the feminine, domestic world that men may feel is a threat to their masculinity, or at least to that aspect of masculinity that they achieve by rejecting feminine safety and facing challenges and dangers. And I say to you today that if we made Christianity about conquering, men would flood to it. The role of the protector provider is also a challenge and a deeper one that young men must take on to avoid getting stuck in the stage of adolescence thrill-seeking. If the young man does not experience Christianity as a threat to his masculinity, he will be more willing to accept its guidance of becoming a father of a Christian household. I'm going to tell you something. My grandson don't think I'm a sissy. Christian fathers should instruct their sons primarily by example. Fathers should lead family prayers. Fathers should read the Bible. Fathers should take the lead in getting the family to church. Fatherhood should be stressed in sermons as it is in the Bible. Much of the Old Testament is instruction on how to be a father. And the father is of key importance in the Christian household in the New Testament. Preach the whole gospel, including the uncomfortable parts. Hell and damnation are realities, and it does no one any good to forget them. Christianity is a matter of infinite seriousness, far more serious than economics or politics or golf or football or basketball or baseball. Christianity can give the true initiation into the mysteries of life and death, of heaven and hell, of spiritual warfare and the destiny of the human race. Men need training in spiritual discipline and think it worthwhile if they see the importance of Christianity. Men out there, do you see the importance of Christianity? Do you understand that it has to be the central element of every society? Do you understand that importance? How can you hand that off to your wife? The father's job is to separate his children from juvenile dependence and send them out prepared for the battle of life. Christianizing our culture. Anyone who has tried to do this knows that it is a battle and that the church needs more than just a few good men. Hey, Vinny, 
Boom. Hey, man. Boom. 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 Come on in, Kevin. All right, Coach. So do you see why a year ago I coined the term sissyanity? Okay. And I want you to compare that with that scene that we watched the other day of Charlton Heston as John the Baptist. Was there anything sissy about that man? No. And that's, no, absolutely not. That's what real Christianity looks like. Because Chris, current Christianity, I'm sorry, draws compromised men. It doesn't draw warriors. It draws managers. It doesn't draw leaders. It draws grandpas. You should be afraid of your pastor. Say that again. You should fear your pastor. When your phone rings from your pastor and you see it's his name, you all think, uh-oh, what the hell did I do? <laughs> what am I in trouble for? Jeff. Now, Coach, Second uh, Timothy chapter 3 is disobedient to parents, disrespect to authority. When I encounter people who are doing the craziest things, having sex in a car, having sex at the park, uh, yesterday, there was a, a father encouraged the kids to take big rocks that were brought to a dike to hold the water in and throw them in the pond. It was built by the CBs in 1997. I had to call him a child. He had no respect. And he encouraged his children to behave in such a manner, no respect for nothing. And the women come at me like you would not believe the most emotional, rotten, arrogant individuals the new generation has become. And in the church itself, we got women in the pulpit and they're false prophets and they're feminizing the men. Listen, I love women. I married one. I got two women daughters. I got eight, is that right? Seven granddaughters. I love women. But we need men. We need men in Christianity. By the way, that's why there aren't two million people watching this show every day. Because if you're in here watching this show, you're used to getting your toes stepped on. It's evidence that you want to grow. And it's evidence that you want to be more than you have become. That's what it's evidence of. And the truth would be told, many of you have swum away from, swum, fled the feminized pulpit that you find yourself attached to because you understand the danger that's being done. We put kids in, oh my goodness, youth groups, youth groups, youth groups. (laughs) I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm trying to be realistic. Go ahead, Myra. Got 12 minutes. I'm going to show. I got a lot of more. I got, I told you I need four hours today. Yes, coach. Thank you so much. I just, a praise report. I just want to praise the Lord for Jeff uh, Crime's event with Pastor Bill Dunphy, um, New Beginnings Ministry in Ohio. 
Um, for Randy, has an event uh, for the coming events in uh, PA with Craig Nicholson doing such a great job and with uh, Bobby Lee uh, doing uh, another event in October. Uh, for the after show crowd, Benny, Kevin, Fahey, uh Chad, and all of us, uh, we're an awesome team. Ephesians. So I have a Bible verse, John 1, 14, it is written, and the word became fresh and dwell among us. And we saw his glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Hallelujah. Go ahead, Jeff. Coach, here's a challenge. I dare real, I dare men to show up and listen to Flip and Rusty and Coach Dave this weekend. I just dare him. Well, listen, it doesn't matter whether they listen or not. But do they do anything after they listen? Because I, I don't know about you. I go on the Internet. I can't believe the conferences. There are conferences freaking everywhere. How can we have so many conferences and have so little action? Because we have become convinced that sitting at a conference is doing something. And it isn't doing something. Let me let me tell you something right now, folks. Uh, all those who hate me love death. You have an enemy who is hell-bent on destroying everything Christian in this country. They're after your children. They're after your grandchildren. They're after society, the cultural uh, uh, standards of society. They're promoting homosexuality. They're doing everything they can to confuse us. And you're going to go to a conference? You, you want to go to a conference and see how this lines up prophetically? Easy peasy. Because <clears throat> you know what it is, ultimately? They're in, a, they're in a male leadership. And if you don't get what happened on January 6th and the aftermath of all the re- arrests and all that stuff, if you don't understand that they're after the male leaders, If you do understand that, then you'll realize what a threat real men are to the devil. Men who are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Men who will lay down their lives. Greater love has no man than this. Then he would go to a school board meeting and flip over some tables and defend his grandchildren. There is no greater love than that. Because when you do that, you lay down your life. And you know what's going to happen when you do that? Every sissified pastor in town is going to criticize you on how unchristian you are. Somebody say amen so I know I'm not alone. Somebody say amen. 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 That is so true. And so you want to look around and understand that the people, Amen. the average Christian that you come in contact with is being, he's being, uh, what's the word? Uh, uh, discipled by a she-man. Soft men. So, oh, do Isaiah 56.10, please. Isaiah 56.10. Because, folks, this stuff's all through the Bible. Hey, I'm sorry. Through the rest of the verse, I put up Isaiah 56. Good. 
Then begin in verse, <laughs> yeah, get those clicks out there. Yeah, then, good. Then begin at verse 10. Then begin at verse 10. Scroll down. Israel's watchmen are blind. They're all ignorant. They're all dumb dogs. They can't even bark. Sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Oh, yeah, they're greedy dogs. Oh, they want the, they want the offering plate filled, which can never have enough. And they're shepherds. They don't get it. They all look to their own way. Everyone for his own gain, from his own quarter, from his own position. They're all building their own churches. They couldn't care less if kids are taught homosex in kindergarten. Because if they talk out about it, people will be mad because the team, football team is doing so good and they have a wonderful band. And did you see those cheerleaders? They finished second in their competition. How can you speak against those schools? Um, They look to their own way, everyone for his own game, from his own quarter. And the pastor says, come on, I'm going to go get some wine and we'll we'll eat dinner after church and we'll fill ourselves with strong drink, and tomorrow shall be just like this day, only it'll be even better. Kevin. Coach, you're going to do what you're trained to do. And if you grew up being trained to go sit in the church and and taught that that was action, well, isn't it the same thing as uh, going and sitting in a conference and considering that action? Yeah. Because they don't see it. They don't see action. They don't see it. I got five minutes left. Dang, God, are you kidding me? Pull up number <clears throat> pull up number four real quick. <clears throat> I'm going to give you a job action. <clears throat> <clears throat> now, here's the truth. Most of you won't do this. Most of you won't do this. I'm just telling you. Got just some Ohio Valley voters. Actually, Mel, somebody else forwarded it to me. <clears throat> State of Ohio. A resolution to support parents, schools, and districts in rejecting harmful, coercive, and burdensome gender identity policies. Folks, look, they're trying to put gender identity into the curriculum. The State Board of Education is trying to put gender identity into the curriculum. The State Board of Education is trying to indoctrinate your children in doctrines of demons. All right? Now, Going down. It talks about, you know, not transitioning. You're not really born that way. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. So they've, some of the school board, uh, they, they've written a, they've written a resolution trying to stop this. Stop this from happening. Here's something that's really easy to do. Really, really easy to do. Send an email right there. It's on the screen. Put this, put that in the chat for me, uh, Jonathan, S-B-O-E at educationohio.gov. I would ask, put that in there. I would ask everybody in this queue, before you close out, to simply send an email saying what? What do we want them to say? Stop indoctrinating our children in what? Stop it. Stop grooming. Well, they want to understand grooming. Did you put that in the chat? 
Did you put it in the chat? Did you share with everybody? This is so, folks, listen, yes. listen, look at me. Don't write them a long letter. They're not going to read it. They only need numbers. Stop the indoctrination of our children, period. That's all you got to say. Now, will you do that? Put, did you put in a chat, chat for us there, John? Yes, sir. Everybody could do that. You're talking to me right now. Every one of you could do that. Every one of you could click on that right now and say, stop indoctrinating our children. And sexual, put whatever you want to. And sexual perversion, whatever you want to say. You can do it, you can do it right now. In fact, I'm going to stop and wait for everybody to click on that. It'll take you 30 seconds. <clears throat> Couldn't do it. Click on it. Send them an email. Stop it. Stop indoctrinating our children. I'm doing it right now. Wait a minute. Where's the email? I just want the email link, John. I just want people to be able to click just on just just copy and paste that e- that email link. Yep, it's there. It's there. It's in there, sir. Well, look. When I when I click on it, it says. Um, how do you want to open this? Brave, Firefox, Google Chrome, Vilveda, Vitlock. I just want the damn link. They click on it and go right to the socials. It's, this is so easy, man. <laughs> make, make my life easier. I'm not mad at you, John. I'm not mad at you. It's done. Uh, Coach, could they put this whole thing up plus the one on the church in the chat, please? <clears throat> uh, yeah. Did you hear that, John? Could you put that in the chat as well, please? Huh? Have you all done it? I, I, I feel a little dog coming around the corner. Hey, here's my knight. It's right here. He's, this guy's a knight. Huh? Right, hey, Dave? Baby. Hey, Dave, what do, what do men do? Protect women. Boom. 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 You go. Boom. It's what men do to protect women. Wow. Hey, thanks for... Uh, Putting up, I feel I feel deeply today. Let I did it, something. Coach. What's that? Everybody, just do it. I this, did look, it. this is so simple. This is so simple. And wouldn't it be great if they walk in there and there's 500 emails? Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! We we gotta we gotta get involved. Okay, look, where am I? Where am I? that that that? I didn't get any. One more. Can let. This is going to run us over a couple minutes, but let's finish on this one today because it's a good one. Pull up number uh, number two. Uh, when this thing's over, bye-bye. God bless you all. Have a great weekend. I'll see you this weekend, Jeff. All of you try to get up there and, and be with Slip and all that and pray for Pastor Bill. But uh, this is this is kind of appropriate to take us out here this week. Go ahead and got that one, John. Number uh, Number two.
keep your distance. While they're deceiving me, it cuts my immunity. TV's got control of me. I turn it on, they say. But this is not over yet. Don't trust the man with the orange skin. Oh, no. It comes from China. There has to be some form of punishment. Final solution, uh, which is a year to two years off, is the vaccine. I wear my face mask in my house so I can, so I can stop a symptomatic disease spread to myself. This is why I fight. Right here is why I fight. God bless you. We'll see you on Monday, but not sooner.